Hello. Thanks for listening to our Fusion Sermon Podcast. Fusion is a worshiping community within Hardawike Ministries. We gather at 1030 a.m. in the Red Brick Church Building on the Hardawike campus on the corner of 160th and Lakewood in Holland, Michigan. We invite you to join us in person when you are able. To learn more about our Fusion community and Hardawike Ministries, please visit hardawike.com. We are starting a new series called Believe, and this is the resource uh, Believe, Think, Act, uh, and Be Like Jesus. It's a, it's a journey through the scriptures. This book is really saturated with scripture to, to discover the core truths, core practices, and core virtues of the Christian faith. We have some books available. Uh, we're just asking for a $5 donation. There's some on the back table here, but there's a table over by the donuts and coffee uh, to grab a book. We have those. If we run out, sign up. We'll get you the resource as well. So for the next 10 weeks, we're going to be considering some of the, the core truths, the core beliefs, the core doctrines of the Christian faith. In the winter, we'll look at some of the practices. In the spring, we'll look at the fruit of the Spirit, the virtues, fruit of the Spirit. Uh, but today, we're, it's going to really serve as an introduction to the series. Uh, here, and, and here's the core question this morning. Why believe? Why believe? Why, why a series on belief? Why is belief important? Why, why does what we believe matter? And to get after that question, I invite you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 9 through 14. Paul speaks uh, of his own hopes and his own prayers for this early Christian community in the city of Colossae. And I think Paul's words really get at our hopes and our prayers for our community here at Hardawike in this next series. And so if you're willing and able, I'd invite you to stand as we honor God as God speaks to us this morning. Colossians chapter 1, we'll be reading verses 9 through 14 this morning. Paul is is writing with his uh, companion Timothy. Verse 9, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, We have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You join me in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, words that were penned a couple thousand years ago to a, to a church community in a particular time, in a particular place, but a church community that shares so much in common. Most importantly, Lord, we share this good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, as we think about our hopes and our prayers uh, for one another as a church body, as the body of Christ, Lord, may you open our hearts, may you open our minds as we explore your word, and may your spirit breathe life and truth into our hearts, minds, and souls this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. God's people say, amen and amen. A question, have you ever 
Have you ever been in a situation or circumstances or heard of something and this thought crossed your mind or maybe even these words exited your mouth? What were you thinking? Have you ever been there? Or what were they thinking? What were you thinking? You know, kind of the face palm, right? There you go. There's a picture on the screen. I, I know as a parent, you know, I probably say this twice a week. That's maybe a, a, a modest, a low estimate, you know. Did you really fill your shirt with sand? Like, what were you thinking, right? But let's expand beyond parents, right? Just watching the news. Or I don't know if we watch the news, right? But we, but we, we catch the news now, like, the, the, the practice of watching the nightly news, I don't know, maybe, maybe people still do that, but, but we also get our news in a lot of other ways. And because of that, our, our news feeds aren't, aren't locally based, but it's kind of global. So now we have the whole world of news that comes into our screen, into our lives. And, and, and so you're catching up on the things that are happening. Just this last week, uh, I, I caught up on some, some things that were happening. And, and the question that entered my mind was, what were they thinking, right? Some of these silly news stories. Uh, here, here's, here's a couple of examples. Last week in Norfolk, Nebraska, a man was pulled over for driving down the freeway with a longhorn Watusi steer sitting shotgun in the front seat of his retrofitted sedan. I'm not making this up. I don't think I'm making this up. And you look at that, you're like, what? What were you thinking, right? Or, or how about this? Uh, last week, American rapper, singer Post Malone, uh, some of you might be familiar with, with the singer-songwriter, but he purchased a Magic the Gathering card. It is the one ring card. Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, Lord of the Rings, there's one ring. So it's, they only made one of these cards, and that is the one ring card. Some guy on TikTok found it, and Post Malone allegedly spent $2 million on a Magic the Gathering card. And you're thinking, what? I mean, the TikToker who sold it, I get that. <laughs> but the guy who spent $2 million, like, what were you thinking, right? Here's my point. What we think and what we believe matters. Why? Because what we believe, what we think shapes how we live, and maybe even more importantly, who we are becoming. And that idea is foundational of, of why we are in a series on belief and what we believe because what we think shapes how we live and who we are becoming. Paul David Tripp, a well-known theologian pastor, uh, writes in his book, Do You Believe? This is a book uh, our council is working through, our staff's working through. In fact, Wednesday night, if you want to come for dialogue, the dialogue group is going to be working through this same book. But he writes this in his introduction, a book called Do You Believe? He writes this, all of us have constructed a superstructure of life assumptions that functions as the instrument we use to make sense out of life. And here's what's vital to understand. Your thoughts always precede and determine your activity. You don't do what you do because of what you're experiencing at the moment. No, you do what you do because of the way you have thought about and interpreted what you are experiencing. The importance of what we think and what we believe. So, for example, if, if you're driving around Nebraska with your Watusi bull, whose name, by the way, is Howdy Doody, right? <laughs> and he's sitting shotgun in your modified crowd in Victoria, right? You're doing that because you believe that he's your best buddy, right? He's your guy. And everyone wants to see Howdy Doody. 
So why not drive them into town? Because everyone loves Howdy Doody, right? That's your, that's your beliefs. That's what you think. Or if you're dropping $2 million on a, a Magic the Gathering card, that, that, that makes sense with a certain worldview. Like if you believe that this card is either going to increase in value or you just have so much disposable income that you just are going to pay $2 million because you want it because there's only one. But your belief, what we do, makes sense according to what we believe. In our passage, Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14, Paul states his prayer for the Colossian church. And it's one that covers these movements of belief and action and character. Or, as our book says, think, act, be. And so let's dive in and just touch on each of them very briefly as we kind of lay out some of the reasoning behind the series that we're entering and why is belief so important. Let's start with think. Paul opens writing, he and Timothy have not stopped praying for the Colossian church. He writes, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives. Now notice the emphasis on the mind and the thoughts and what we think and what we believe. Paul uses multiple words to describe what people think. Knowledge, wisdom, understanding. Let's talk about each. The first word Paul uses is he prays for the knowledge of his will. That is God's will. The Greek word here is epignosis, which is a, a, a strengthening of gnosis, right? And, he, and this speaks of, this is a word that speaks of knowledge, but it's really a, a firsthand experiential knowledge, right? It's the kind of knowledge that doesn't come from reading a textbook, but it's the kind of deep knowledge that comes when you're in relationship with someone. It's the difference between reading someone's biography and actually sitting down and getting to know them, right? Knowledge, that's the first word. Knowledge comes then through wisdom. The Greek word here is, is a pretty familiar one, right? The, the name Sophia is actually Greek for wisdom. And this word speaks of skill and insight and intelligence. It's really an applied sort of wisdom, an applied skill, insight, intelligence, applied wisdom. Uh, and then the last word here is understanding. And this is from the Greek word synesis, which speaks of discernment, right? Literally, the word means putting together in your mind, joining truth together, comprehension. So knowledge that comes from relationship, right? Wisdom that is applied and understanding that, that leads to discernment and comprehension. And all of this, Paul says, uh, all of this wisdom, understanding, knowledge comes from the spirit of God. Now, as I was kind of trying to wrap, what is, what is Paul really getting at? The, the word picture that really came to mind is he, Paul is getting at something that goes beyond what we learn in a classroom setting, right? But what comes through what we would call, what we'd be familiar with is apprenticeship. You're familiar, right? Apprenticeship. An apprentice comes under a master, right? So here's the thing. Like, too often when we say words like theology or, or doctrine or belief, our minds typically go to kind of just knowledge, like the, the mind or, or a classroom setting or an auditorium setting or, or an education, you know, like an academic educational background. We learn theology at seminary or at college or undergraduate, whatever it is. And in that understanding of theology and doctrine, that, that's kind of understood as, as this kind of download of information, kind of a transfer of facts, like data transfer, like I just plug in my thumb drive and I download the information. But what Paul is getting at is something more personable, more applicable, more, more, more about discernment that can only come through apprenticeship, through following and, and learning alongside the master or the rabbi or the teacher who is Jesus. When we talk about discipleship, being a disciple, another way of thinking of that is 
an apprentice, one who walks in the footsteps of the rabbi, the teacher, the master, Lord, right, Jesus, to become and to learn from the Lord Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit for us today. And really, that's what we hope for and pray for in this series. Our, our hope and our prayer is, is more than just being able to recite core doctrines. Like, that's great. It's more than just memorizing theological propositions or memorizing question and answers from the catechism, but to be able to apply, discern their impact in our own lives. How do we live into the things that we believe? That's the next step. That, that's our prayer as we consider core truths of the Christian faith. Because, why? At the end of the day, following Christ is not simply about thinking the right things. Like having the right, right proper doctrine, that's important, yes. But faith is also a lot to do, big time, about how we live or how we act, which is the second movement in our series here, Act. Paul goes on to say that he's praying for this knowledge, wisdom, and understanding so that, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Again, the end goal is, is not simply correct thinking, but that it would influence our actions. And, and the phrase Paul uses trans, translated as live a life worthy of, in the Greek it literally means walk worthily. Worthy as an adverb. Walk worthily. Or walk, really live a life worthy is, is a good translation, but the literal translation is walk worthily. In the, in the Hebrew mind, the word walk symbolically referred to one's conduct. Right? So you say you walk Right? That means you live, like it refers to one's conduct. And, and we, we use this word similarly today, right? If I were to say, well, you talk the talk, you gotta walk the walk, right? And when we say we gotta walk the walk, what, what do we mean? You gotta, like, you gotta like do a cool walk? No, no. What we mean by that, right, is you gotta live according to what you say. You gotta live into the words that you are speaking, or as Paul would say, live into what you believe, right? Walk the walk. Here's the, the adverb worthily. Is that, is that a word? Like, I don't know if anyone uses worthily. I don't know if that's a word. Uh, but worthy as an adverb. Uh, the Greek word here is an adverb derived from the verb meaning to weigh. So the image here is, 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 is think of, if you've been to Dutch Village, and, and there's, that, there's that scale room, and there's this, like, life-size scale that you can, like, the kid... You don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, just picture like a, a large scale, right? And the scales being in balance, right? That's the image. Does our life measure up? And is it in balance? The, the word picture uh, is a the set of balances and scales. How does our walk measure up to the scales of God's truth? Like, are the scales balanced? And, and, and really, not just God's truth, but really the life of Jesus is the model. The life of Jesus is the example. The Apostle John will later write in 1 John 2, 6, whoever claims to live, literally abide in him, must live, other translations actually say, must walk as Jesus did, or walk as Jesus walked. The same word is used twice there in 1 John 2, 6. Jesus' life is the model. Jesus' life is the example. The call on Jesus' disciples or apprentices is not only talk the Jesus talk, right, but to walk the Jesus walk. Now we understand we're never gonna we're never gonna hit that mark, right? We're never gonna live a sinless life like Jesus lived, but but that that's the example. That's the aim. That's what we're shooting for. That is the mark that we are shooting for, to live and to walk as Jesus walked. But even that's not the final end goal, okay? 
Yes, think the right things that impact how we live, our actions, yes. But let's take it a a step deeper and consider this because I think maybe just, at least just as much, maybe even more, God is very interested in in the person we are becoming. Not just what we think, not just what we do, but the person we are becoming. Paul's next word after speaking of walking the walk is this, bearing fruit. Now again, Paul is using some imagery that brings to mind immediately uh, the good produce that is the result of faithfulness in the life of a disciple. In the New Testament, fruit can metaphorically refer to a good deed or a good work uh, or the harvest of new Christian Christ followers, uh, but it can also refer to character. One of, the, one of the most well-known Bible references to fruit uh, comes in another letter of Paul in Galatians 5 when Paul talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit. Let me, let me read this passage for you today. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is significant because it, it speaks into how God is forming Jesus' disciples, how God is forming our character. What kind of people are we becoming as those who claim Jesus Christ as Lord as Savior? Are we becoming more loving? Are we becoming more patient and joy-filled? Do we exhibit self-control as Christ's disciples? See, bearing fruit in this way speaks to the heart, the character of the disciple, the apprentice of Jesus. Here's here's something I was just thinking about this week. I can, I can think and I can understand all the correct doctrines, right? I, I, can, I can memorize the theological points. I, I can think the right thing, if you will, the right thing. I can even in, live in a way that resembles Christ, right? And, and I can serve the poor. I can preach the gospel. But at the same time, I can, I can be doing it all for all the wrong reasons. The, the image here is the kind of that, that stereotypical uh, local politician who's, who's kissing the babies or serving in the youth or in the, in the soup kitchen, and it's all a show for the cameras, right? Because they're really, what they're trying to do is build themselves up in their own reputation and people's regard for them. There, there can be a self-promoting motivation behind these good works. And, and I get it, we're complicated, and most of the time my motivations are kind of mixed, right? I don't know, I don't know if any of us have pure motiv- motivations, but I think about other people in my life who I know and I respect, the person who, who, just, who just genuinely loves others and just, just tirelessly works behind the scenes in ways that just supports and loves others. You know, he would be really embarrassed for me to say this, but I think of Norlin here at, at, at Hardawake, who's just constantly working behind the scenes. Some of you don't even know who Norlin is. Exactly. He just loves this church. He loves the people of this church. And, and he loves Jesus, and he, loves, and, and he just works behind the scenes tirelessly. Here's the thing. Eventually, if we, have, if we have warped motivations, eventually those motivations get exposed because we can only be serving from those, those warped motivations for so long until we tire out. But a person of true character, and again, it's not, it's, we, don't, we don't just 
I'm going I'm to become a person. I'm going I'm to get the fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's God's work in our lives. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the Spirit's work in our lives. But as the Spirit produces love and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, those things shine through. Jesus is interested in what we think. Jesus is interested in what we do. But Jesus is also so highly interested in the person we are becoming in him. Think, act, be. And here's the final insight. Our, our, our thinking impacts our action, which influence who we're becoming, but it's not a linear path. Even in Colossians, it comes full circle. If you notice, if you keep reading in verse 10, bearing fruit in every good work, right? Growing in the knowledge of God. It's, it's this kind of cyclical pattern. Like, it's this journey. It's, it's a dance, right? Paul, Paul comes back to where his prayer started. Fruit that leads to good works that back, goes back, that builds the knowledge of God. It reminds us that we're not on some linear path where it always starts with think and it always ends with act and then be. But no, it's more of a cycle as this next graph shows, which is from uh, one of the, the, the resources that comes with the book. That, that what we think influences how, how we live and how we live influences who we're becoming and, and yet that influences what we think and what we believe or some of the language from our vision statement, right? That's why one of my favorite words in our vision statement is journey because life is a journey. We're on a journey and there's ups and downs and we fail and God redeems and all of these things but to see everyone joining in the journey of being found in, formed by, and following Jesus. It's a journey of continually growing in knowledge. Core to that knowledge is who I am in Jesus Christ, that I am found in Jesus Christ. That is the core of who I am. But not only that knowledge, but learning how to live, following Jesus, right? How I live, how do I follow Jesus in my everyday life? And then growing in spiritual maturity, being formed by it's Christ's work by the power of the Spirit that forms us into the kind of people that begin to reflect in glimpses Jesus Christ. And it all is understood, it all centers, it all culminates. Presence of God, yes, but I'd say Jesus, right? It all centers on Jesus. Paul, later on in the same chapter to the Colossian church, writes this. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. Christ in me, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Growing in wisdom so that we become mature, complete in Jesus Christ. Why believe? That's the aim. So that we would grow in knowledge and become mature in Jesus Christ. Friends, as we close, here, here's, here's the heart posture behind this series. And I, and I think this is important to say right, right at the beginning. Our hope, as we, as we think about what we believe, our hope is to, to do our best to humbly and honestly present some of the core truths, practices, and virtues of the Christian faith. Our posture is not to coerce or manipulate, condemn or divide, but rather it is a posture of invitation. An invitation to join in the journey that we are on together here at Heart of Ministries. Because here's what I believe. I truly believe with all my heart that this is a journey that leads to life. This is a journey that leads to life in Christ. And it's, and it's a good journey. Is it perfect? No. Are there bumps along the way? Absolutely. Is there tra tragedy? Yes. But we're not together. It is a good journey. 
for you and for those you love. It's one that leads to life. It's one that leads to blessing. And ultimately, it's, it's, it's a journey of grace. It's a journey of God's work in our lives and our humble cooperation, which is why I love just that today was Baptism Sunday. Because, you know, particularly when we baptize a young one, there are, there are very few things that capture grace in a more powerful way. As we claim promises over Brooks and Beckett, God's powerful, faithful promises in baptism. And then, and then Will and Jamie, I just think like you both making these promises to Brooks and Beckett and our church family making promises and then, and then, and then claiming God's promises over your boys through this sign of baptism. And, you know, the pastor probably uses too much water, but it's a sign of grace. That's why we do it, right? And, and covering their heads with water. And you know, I, was, I was just reflecting on that later this week and I was just thinking, you know, the, the world will look at what we just did this morning baptizing two little, little ones. You know what they're thinking? What are you thinking? <laughs> what are you thinking? Pouring water on these innocent little babies, you know, they're... But when you believe, when you believe in a faithful, promise-keeping God who sent his only son to die on a cross to redeem our brokenness, whose love precedes our love, then claiming these kinds of promises, blessings, these blessings, not only for ourselves, but also for the next generation to come, makes all the sense in the world because of what we believe. Because what we believe matters, not only for what we do today, but in all the days that follow. And so friends, let's pray for the Spirit's work to continue to be at work in our lives. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Lord God, we thank you we thank you, Lord God, for the gift of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we, we, we thank you that, that you loved us and you love us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, you, you willingly stepped into this world, a world that, that we see and we realize is broken, filled with pain and hurt and everything else. And Lord Jesus, you stepped into that brokenness. You took on the weight of sin and death. It was nailed to the cross. And then you conquered death. You rose again. We thank you, God, for this good news of the gospel. A gift that we did nothing to earn, nothing to deserve, but Lord, because of your love, because of your faithfulness, you freely gave to us, your children. And so, Lord, as, as, as we again this morning remember what that grace looks like in our lives, we pray, Lord, that, that you would continue to walk with us on this journey through the ups, through the downs, through our failures and our successes. Lord, that you would continue to walk with us and that your blessings, not blessings the way the world frames it, but, Lord, your blessings would continue to pour out on us and our children and our children's children because you are faithful God, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Come Lord Jesus, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening. To learn how to get involved in our Fusion community or how to support Hardawike Ministries, please visit us at hardawike.com.